Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Could You Voice. Today, we're talking with Carolyn McKenna, an Irish-born and now Eastern Suburbs local, a school teacher, and the host of a podcast, A County Down Under. In today's show, we discuss what drove Caroline to start her podcast and run her weekly Sunrise Socials. As a teacher of Year 12 HSC students, Caroline also provides tips and tricks for parents and kids who are engaged in distance learning. You're listening to Coogee Voice. So I talk about what life is really like in Australia. And the thing with it is, Marjorie, is that we have a lot of Instagram influencers over in Australia who are Irish um, and English. And all you see from them is the coffee cups on Bondi Beach and the beautiful bodies and them lying in the sun and them socialising, going for margaritas on a Tuesday night with all of their groups of friends. The realities are for a lot of expats is it's a really tough journey living abroad. Um, You don't just find friends straight away. And we now have Sunrise Socials in Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Perth, Sydney. We have one in Dubai. We have now got one in Canada, in Vancouver. We've won in loads in England. Caroline, welcome to Coogee Voice. How are you going today? I'm good, Marjorie. It's nice to see your face in in all that's going on in the world right now. It's lovely to see a new face on the screen. Um, that's the world that we're living in at the minute, this lockdown life. So yeah, I'm good. I'm good after a day's teaching online. It's nice to see a new face. <laughs> <laughs> we will get into uh, you being a teacher, and I'm, I'm I'm happy to have sparked some joy in your life for today. <laughs> now, you're originally from County Down Island. You're living now in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. You've been living here for over five years. Before we get into unpacking your journey of what has brought you to this wonderful part of the world, what are the things you love most about the eastern suburbs? Oh, it's it's an easy answer. It's the lifestyle. I I try and describe it to people um, through everything that I'm doing with my podcast and my Instagram page. And there, there's just no way of putting it into a sentence about what's so infectious about the lifestyle over here. I mean, I was at Bronte Beach this morning. I go for sunrise every morning. And at 6 a.m., the, the whole beach and the promenade was lit up with people exercising, having coffee, socializing looking after each other, going in for dips in the sea. And you just don't get that in Ireland. Um, I didn't ever see the sunrise in Ireland. <laughs> it's always dark and grey and overcast. And 99% of the time it's raining or about to rain. And there is something beautiful about how, especially in eastern suburbs, people seize the day from the moment the sun is up. Everyone's up and at it. This sort of feeds into my next question, because you might be aware that the electorate of Coogee has the highest proportion of Irish-born and people of Irish descent in all of Australia. Why do you think the Irish are drawn to County Coogee? It's interesting, and I love that saying, County Coogee. For me, I believe that what draws us to this side of the suburbs is the water Um, I think no matter where you are in the world, when you're by the ocean, it feels like a piece of home because that ocean is everywhere that you go. And when we look out into that ocean, it really makes us feel like home isn't that far away. And we're a very close knit community. 
once one person from Ireland goes to one area, then their uncles and grannies and aunts tell everybody back home. So it becomes this area that we all go to. And um, that's what we've always known is when you go to Sydney, that you go to this eastern suburbs area. And um, we're a very close knit community where we look after one another. And no matter who you are, whether they know you or not, as soon as you hear that accent, you feel like that piece of home. So we've created this beautiful home from home so far away. And it's been a real lifesaver during the times that we're living in. And Caroline, just in fairness, my surname is O'Neill. Despite the fact that I don't have an accent, my <laughs> family moved to the eastern suburbs now five generations ago. So this is something that my family and my heritage do connect with. And I'm an O'Neill. We've got Brennans and Quinlans, O'Doherty's. So <laughs> I feed into that narrative. This is not coming from something else. But Caroline, tell us a bit about your journey. You've lived now in the eastern suburbs for more than five years. How did you come to be living in this beautiful part of the world? Oh, it's such a, an amazing story. Basically, I, I came over here um, because of Ireland. Um, and as much as we love Ireland and it's such a beautiful place to grow up in, the realities are that the job opportunities are far and few between. And we all graduate. We're, we're good, hard workers, us Irish. And a lot of us go into roles that are very compassionate roles like nurses and teachers. And unfortunately, there's more people graduating in those types of jobs and industries that there isn't actually the amount of work that's needed for it. So um, we're faced really with the, the unsettling idea that when you study so hard for those exams and um, the HSCs, which are called A-levels and leave insert in Ireland, and then go on to do your degree, that you may not get work in the job that you have, you know, worked so hard for. And I, I suppose it came to my reality when I was graduating. I, I did a lot of placements in Ireland in different schools. And I met so many different teachers who had been doing relief work and subbing for over 10 years who were not able to get mortgages. They weren't able to marry their childhood sweetheart because they didn't have that sustainable work. And a lot of them were working part-time during the school holidays in the likes of Colts and Woolworths back home. And it just really resonated with me that I thought, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. This can't be the life that we're living. So I went and worked in England for a year as a teacher. And they, they say that your first year of teaching is your hardest. But what I went through was pretty, pretty difficult. I worked in one of the most impoverished areas in England. We had police at the front door of the school gates the area around that area you know a lot of our parents were heroin addicts prostitutes a lot of kids in care real difficult circumstances that I had never been exposed to in all my life in Ireland I lived a very sheltered life and didn't realize what types of families there you know I was just so naive to the world so I, I did that for a year but it, it, unfortunately it wasn't really teaching it was more behavioral management. You know, you have these kids who have never had any love shown to them their whole lives. And you come in all smiley. And I was trying to teach them Shakespeare. And, you know, these kids needed someone to, to give them a bit of love and to set a dinner in front of them. So it was a real challenging year. I spent my day doing 12, 14 hour days. And I just remember thinking after two months of the job, like I'm miserable. This is really miserable. I can't believe 
I've spent my whole life wanting to be a teacher and this is it. I am so like unhappy in the, in the job that I'm in. So um, Australia was always in the background. So many Irish have come over here. But for me, it felt like a setback. I felt like if I go over there, that's delaying what I need to be doing, which is the stereotypical, you need to have a mortgage, you need to get married by this age, you need to you know, have accomplished so much at a certain age. So I felt like that would be a setback. But at this stage, I just needed something to work on. So I felt like I'm going to come to Australia. You know, that's going to be my go-to because I just need something to focus on and it will be a break from teaching. I didn't even plan on teaching over here. And there's a bit of a background story to Marjorie. Basically, <laughs> I had fallen in love. And uh, there's always love in some part of every story. And the guy that I had fallen in love with back in Ireland had moved to Australia the year previous. So I think for me, a lot of it was I was unsettled because the person that I wanted to be with was at the other side of the world. So that really spurred me to book that ticket. And I did it. I, I booked the ticket. I did the year in England, which was a really difficult year, but knowing that I had that goal to work towards. And I, I moved over here and, and never looked back. I've been here now nearly six years. You were at my citizenship ceremony, um, which was a, a lovely symbolic moment. And um, yeah, but it hasn't been an easy ride. You just said you got your citizenship. Was that a difficult decision for you? Yeah. In between all of what happened, I, I moved here. And you, the thing with moving abroad is we only see a little bit online. You see, I mean, we, we're big fans of Neighbours in Ireland. We watch Neighbours and um, we, we see the kangaroos and the sunshine and kids in the nice sunny dresses going to school, which was real cool. But we didn't actually know what was lying ahead of us. There's a lot of challenges that come with living abroad that I'll get into for me, the most difficult thing was after four and a half years of being here, my relationship ended. And the thing with living abroad is that you rely on that person more than you ever would at home. That is your family, your person, your go-to, your comfort blanket when you're 10,000 miles away from home. So when that ended, it wasn't just that that relationship had ended, but I felt like my whole life in Australia had been upheaved and I didn't know what to do. So for me, it, that was a really difficult time for me. And I actually went back to Ireland because that's what we do. We need our mums. And it was during the school holidays, the Easter holidays. And I took three weeks to go back to Ireland. To come back on, on that flight to Australia three weeks later was probably the hardest decision I ever made. And I had to really nearly be carried back on the flight. My mum and dad told me to stay at home and that was the easy option. But unless you've lived this life in Australia, you can't explain to anyone back home why that there's always going to be a piece of your heart left over here. And I just felt like I had unfinished business and I was so close to my citizenship that I didn't want to give up on that dream. I'd worked so hard to get my citizenship and my degree had led me to my citizenship because there was a shortage of teachers in Australia. So I'd worked really hard for four years to get that. And I didn't want anyone, not no man, no relationship ending, anything to get in the way of that. So I had to really, um, I, I had to start all over again over here just over a year and a half ago. So to achieve that citizenship was a really emotional moment. And it was so beautiful that I was able to share it with you because it was during COVID, you couldn't have anyone else. <laughs> so um, I went there on my own and it just was a real moment of accomplishment for me that I thought, you know, no matter what you go through in life, that you can get through anything. I, I didn't see that citizenship ever happening. 
Firstly, congratulations on your citizenship, but also for those that are listening, you absolutely have to check out Caroline's dress that she wore for her citizenship. It was one of the most remarkable (laughs) dresses I've ever seen in my life. Now, Caroline, you've touched on your podcast, A County Down Under. Can you tell us a little bit about the podcast and in particular, what drove you to start it? So the podcast is basically... I share what life is really like abroad. Um, I had no experience in podcasting at all. I'm a full-time teacher and I had done, I I was asked to come on and do a Zoom call one night uh, during lockdown last year with the Irish community because I'm uh, very passionate about mental health and I volunteer and do a lot of work with mental health charities over here, in particular, the Lightball Sydney, which came from Dublin. And we sponsor Batir. We do a lot of work with Batir for mental health. So um, I was asked to do this talk. And by the end of the talk, I had so many people message me and said, God, like, that was amazing. You need to do more of this. And I'd never thought of it before. But during lockdown, I suppose, you know, you, you delve into the things and try and find a hobby just to keep you focused. So I talk about what life is really like in Australia. And the thing with it is, Marjorie, is that We have a lot of Instagram influencers over in Australia who are Irish um, and English. And all you see from them is the coffee cups on Bondi Beach and the beautiful bodies and them lying in the sun and them socializing, going for margaritas on a Tuesday night with all of their groups of friends. The realities are for a lot of expats is it's a really tough journey living abroad. Um, You don't just find friends straight away you have to really find your feet. You could be in a job that you love, but you might not have any friends in the job. When I started out here, I taught in a school for a few months and I remember always getting that Friday feeling of, you know, this is brilliant. You know, we've got to the end of the week. Does anybody want to go for a drink? And I would get to the school gates at three o'clock on the Friday feeling really excited that I'd had that really busy, hard, difficult week at work, but that The sun was shining and I'm walking out the school gates. And as soon as I'd walk out those gates, I actually had no one to talk to. You know, the the lifestyle is so fast paced over here that a lot of Aussies have plans every weekend. They have a lot of weekend plans. They go away camping with their families or friends. They go on wine tours. I didn't have anybody uh, apart from my partner. And I think that definitely led to a lot of the relationship breaking down. You really only had one another. It can be such an isolating, lonely life over here and such a difficult one as well because you love it at the same time. But there are some real difficult, difficult, lonely moments. So I decided I didn't want anyone to come abroad again and to have this false pretense like I had where I'm watching these influencers on Instagram showing this beautiful lifestyle, but not preparing you for the difficult side of things too. So I went on... um, an episode for 15 minutes didn't think I'd ever do a second episode and I just really gave it um you know I I poured my heart out and said life abroad is tough and you know if you break up with your partner you can't just go down the road to your mom's house to have a cry for two nights and solve things and resolve things um, and make things better you know it can be really lonely you might have friends that want to party with you but they're not there when things are tough you might see me posting on Bondi Beach about how beautiful it is, but I might be really depressed. So I, I just gave it and 
it blew up overnight and it really panicked me a little bit because I'm a teacher and that's my job and that's my passion. And I never really thought it would go anywhere. But the podcast overnight, you know, I had listeners in Canada, New York, Hong Kong. There was one in South Africa. I don't even know who would have heard of me in South Africa. And it just blew up. And I thought, oh, God, we're on to something here. I better have a chat with my principal. (laughs) Your podcast tells the real and raw side of what it is to move overseas. It's centered around building connections, activity, and inclusion. You do more than just the podcast to do that. So can you tell us a little bit about that work? Absolutely. I The podcast is called A County Down Under, and I'm from County Down in Ireland. And it's a bit like what you said about Coogee being like Ireland, um, County Coogee. I was using the play on words and It really, I I thought about it for five minutes and that became the name that stuck and everyone got it straight away. You know, that this is your county down under that you can call home. And when I put that podcast out, I had thousands of people message me from all over the world, like girls in New York that were feeling the exact same and guys in Dubai who were expats living in Dubai who were thanking me for saying, you know, thank you. Someone said it. We've all felt it in some sort of a way. We'll all post the picture of that beautiful sunset or sunrise, but not said actually how we're really feeling behind the screens. And um, so many had said to me, you know, I'm I'm lonely. I'm feeling this. So I kind of just said, why don't we do a sunrise? You know, I thought um, it was during lockdown. It was at the time when you could meet in, in groups of 20 And I had said, you know, I'll maybe set up a coffee morning or something. And because so many people had asked me to meet up, I thought, right, I need to eliminate these because of COVID and and the amount of numbers that that are asking to to have this event. And that I thought sunrise, not everyone's going to get up for sunrise. And at this point, it was at 5.15 a.m. for sunrise. So um, I put it out there on Instagram. I said, look, if anyone's feeling lonely in Sydney during this lockdown, especially I have set up this event, Eventbrite page. All you got to do is click into the ticket. It's free on Saturday morning. And um, there's 20 slots if anyone wants to come. And I set it out for seven weeks. Um, you know, 20 slots for seven weeks. I thought, you know, whatever, if they want to come back the next week. The 20 slots for the seven weeks, just they booked out like within three minutes of me posting it. And I thought, oh, my God. And then I had people messaging me in Melbourne saying, can we do the same? And I love this idea. So it became known as Sunrise Socials. And we now have Sunrise Socials in Melbourne, Adelaide, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Perth, Sydney. We have one in Dubai. We have now got one in Canada, in Vancouver. We've won in loads in England and all over Ireland. And it's become known as a county down under Sunrise Socials. And it's mad, Marjorie, because at the end of the day, I just said what was already there, which was a sunrise um, and a coffee, you know, that anybody could go and do it. But what's been missing in the expat community all over the world is a community. Everyone needs and craves that sense of belonging. And for a long time over here, we've just been floating around. We've been socializing. We go to the bars. And that's another thing about my, my events and my podcast is that I wanted to try and stop that loneliness driving people to go to the bars. We have a real difficult thing over here where there's a real issue with alcohol and gambling and drugs. And I feel like 
personally, I believe that the the expat community are trying to fill a void that is home. They they love Australia, but nothing beats family and being around people and are having a routine and just the noise in the background and, and a house, a home. You know, we're all in apartments here and a lot of us live with a lot of strangers. So I wanted to try and take people away from that. And what we found with the sunrises was that it was mostly just girls coming to it. And our biggest issue with mental health is men. Men don't know how to talk or to say I'm not okay or I'm struggling. I was getting a lot of messages from men on Instagram to say I'm struggling and thank you for saying it. But none of them were coming to any of our sunrises around the world. So I had to then dive into the event side of things where I thought, right, how do I get guys to not associate a county down under with just women and it's a girl's thing. So I I started doing boat parties in the hope that, you know, come and have a bit of fun with us, have a bit of crack, but, you know, come and go to sunrise the next day, you know? So it started, we've had men started to come all over the world to our sunrises. So it's growing and growing and it's become this massive thing that I wasn't expecting and I'm still teaching full time. So I had to have that chat with my principal about just to let you know, um, this is kind of kicked off. I've made sure everything that I do on Instagram is relatable to my students. I teach teenagers. Um, a lot of my work is focused around mental health. And, you know, we have a lot of mental health issues in, in teenagers, especially with social media. A lot of our students want to be influencers and they want to be like the Kylie Jenners and the Kardashians. So I've tried to like put it on um, on its rear end and flip it a bit to say, you know, why don't we influence things and make social media a positive platform? So that's what I'm trying to do. So a lot of them follow me on Instagram and listen to my podcast, but I don't mind that. I want to be that role model for them that they inspire to be rather than the girl on Instagram with a bikini and six pack that doesn't eat. Caroline, you've touched on this a bit, but due to the current health pandemic, Australia has now had its borders shut for quite a significant amount of time. There are a lot of Irish expats and diaspora over here, many of whom are missing home, who are struggling. We've got young families who've had kids and they want to share it with their mums and their dads. We've got people who are over here who are sick, who are struggling to get their parents over here for support. For people who are struggling in the Irish community, what is some advice that you can give them? Yeah, this has been, um, you know, when I set out to do this podcast, it was just about the realities of living abroad. And unfortunately, the borders closing has been at the forefront of all of the content that I've covered recently, because we have never felt more loss in our lives, Marjorie. It's been a really difficult time. The only thing that we've ever agreed on about living abroad is that comfort blanket that we are only a flight away from being back with our families. And that has been taken from us. It has been a really difficult time for the expats abroad, especially, especially, especially the likes of my friends who have had babies and they haven't met their grandparents. One of my good friends, and I know that you know Sean Keenan, Sean's Perception, who's a brilliant photographer. His fiance Martine, was diagnosed with breast cancer. The fight that we had to get to have her family fly over was unbelievable and it's been a real frustration I'd say the biggest thing for the Irish community abroad and the expats abroad is the frustration seeing celebrities coming into the country like Katie Hopkins and um, Charlotte from Geordie Shore who came over abroad to sell 
sex toys. Um, she was allowed to come into the country and quarantine. And, you know, to get Martine's family over here was the biggest struggle. We had to really, we had to, you know, call all of our MPs at home, write letters to the embassy, beg and plead to, to have her have her family over here. So there's been a lot of emotions in the expat community. We've been sad. We've been lost. We've been angry. We've been deflated. We There's been a lot of ups and downs. And the thing that we have just been advising one another recently is to be there for one another because, you know, I've been going through the whole motions of let's be positive. We've got this. It won't be long. Better days are coming. But that kind of wears out. It's been a year and a half now of the borders closing and there's only so much positivity that you can give without giving people false hope. So what we're now advising them is to reach out to one another. Um, more than ever, we have become this close-knit society where we are one another's family. Like Sean and Martine, I only knew them from Sunrise now I consider them a brother and sister. You know, I was fighting for their parents to get over here because it doesn't mean just, you know, that they're okay, but it gives us a little bit of hope that we can do this as a community abroad. So what we're advising them is to reach out and talk to one another and to stop watching the news. The news has been a real difficult thing for us to see because the biggest thing for us is that we have been forgotten about. And that has been really difficult. You know, um, Gladys made a statement earlier today and it really hurt, to be honest. She said, we hope to have the borders open at Christmas so that those Aussies uh, here all over the world can come back to Australia. And that hurt like hell because what about us? You've forgotten about the ones that have been lost and away from our families, locked away from our families for over a year and a half, who have got up for work every day and worked for your country and who are so passionate about being part of your country. I'm so happy and passionate about being an Australian. But what about us? You know, there's been no talk about us and, and that's been difficult for us. So we're just trying to keep positivity going. I've been doing a lot of online things for um, expats abroad. We've been doing a lot of talks and discussions. I've been having a lot of people on my podcast talking about how to cope with their mental health. We had a counsellor and psychologist on, giving them coping mechanisms. And we've been doing a lot of um, meditating and breathwork courses online. Just anything. We're just doing day by day, really, Marjorie. There's no real answer. And I love to help people and be there. But at the end of the day, this is survival mode. We've got the blinkers on. We're not thinking about when we'll see our families again anymore. It's just how will I get through today? Caroline, just to let you know, us in the Coogee Electoral Office and on Coogee Voice do care about the Irish expats living in the eastern suburbs. And you are one of many Irish guests we've had. And we've even had the Irish Support Agency on who've been out reaching out to our community because we want to make sure that everyone is looked after. Caroline, you mentioned you're a school teacher. We have a lot of listeners on Coogee Voice who are parents of kids in high school. Firstly, there is a broad perception in the community that teachers are not doing a lot at the moment. Give us a bit of a rundown of what your typical day looks like as a teacher who is now engaged in distance learning. That's hurtful to hear. I have never worked as hard in my life. We are constantly working behind the scenes. My day starts, I get up very early for sunrise because 
I need that for my mental health before I can go in and start being positive and motivated with my students. And also, it's the only time that I get out during the day. As soon as I come back from sunrise at 7 a.m., we go into meetings. We are constantly working behind the scenes to try and make this a positive experience for the kids. We're trying to adapt and change our learning techniques so that the kids are not sitting in front of the screen all day because that's not good for their mental health. We're trying to make it more of a project-based learning that they are working and focusing on tasks that you know we wouldn't have been able to do in the classroom, but that still aligns with the curriculum. Um, we're trying to do all of these planning, these different activities, making it active and fun. We're doing a lot of breakout rooms where the kids are still getting that group work environment. And there's a lot of that planning that goes into even starting before the day starts. Then we go online at 8 a.m. And it is like full steam ahead, Marjorie. There is no sitting back and relaxing. It's not like I'm sitting in front of the computer screen and have the Kardashians on in the background. I don't even get a lunch break anymore. And that's not because we, you know, we are entitled to that and we, our principal encourages that. There is so much going on. You have kids who you have on the screen who are now front and center on the screen. A lot of them have anxiety issues where they're too afraid to ask in front of the class where you would be able to pick up on those things and dynamics in the classroom. Oh, she's struggling a little bit. I can go over and have a quiet word with her. You can't have that. You can't be on screen with one-on-one with kids. So they don't always understand what they're being asked to do. So they're emailing you behind the scenes after the lesson is finished. You're trying to work with those kids and make sure that they're okay. Then you have your, um, you know, your boss, your department having suggestions. You have kids that forgot to come online when they were meant to. Miss, sorry, I am here. Then you got to go and fix the register to make sure that there's no phone call home to say that they weren't here. You have kids with internet issues that you've got to then relay all the information that you've already relayed. So I'm sitting on the screen from 7 a.m. Next thing I know, it's 2.30 and I haven't had a morning tea. And I don't mind because we're here to be there for the kids in all aspects. You're not only their teacher, but at the minute you're their person that they've been to. They need that support system. And it's almost like you're a counselor for them, which we love to do. We love to to be there to to encourage them and give them strategies that everything's going to be okay. And don't worry, we'll be back in the classroom soon. So you're really putting on all these different hats throughout the day. Then we have meetings after school with our departments. You know, we're working towards the HSC at the minute and we're always thinking 10 steps ahead. We need to be ready for the next statement. We're always waiting for Gladys's announcement. What's going to be next? How can we adapt our teaching and our programs? It is a full on day. Um, it was my 30th birthday yesterday and such an amazing milestone to reach. And I'm very blessed. But I spent the whole day in front of the screen and I was lucky that my beautiful students, you know, were trying to adapt to all these settings. They changed the background of their Zoom call to happy birthday <laughs> and we had birthday cakes and stuff. So it was it's it's just doing the best that we can. But we have never worked as hard in our life. And, you know, we're not putting our mental health first at the minute. Our front and center is our kids, our students, and they feel like kids. To us. They're our family, especially for me living abroad. That's my family. That's my home. My school is everything to me. So we are really putting 110% in um, more than ever. And, you know, we're taking phone calls at eight o'clock at night to make sure that everything is in place for exams. We're still doing exams online. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes. 
it's very challenging, but at the same time, I am very thankful for this job, for the likes of me living abroad. It's all I have at the minute. It's my only communication throughout the day. And I am very grateful that I have this distraction and we're putting our hearts and soul into getting those kids back to school in term four. Firstly, Caroline, thank you so much. My next question is, what advice would you give parents and as well in particular those who are teaching your 12 kids in terms of distance learning and maybe some coping or helping strategies that they can be giving for their kids at this time who might be struggling with distance learning? There's a lot of students struggling and some of our most academic and strong students are struggling. I mean, this is not normal, what we're going through, completely not normal. And that's one thing I would say to parents is just remember this, that we're we're going through a pandemic right now to go easy on yourself. You know, what we're doing in school at the minute is we are trying to reduce screen time and we're reducing the amount of work that we're giving students because we can't see what's going on in the classroom. Usually we set a task and we can kind of navigate how it's going, how long it's taken the kids to do. At the beginning, we were bombarding them with work because we felt like we had to overcompensate to show, to prove that we're doing the work that we're setting out. But what was happening at the other end was that students were trying to do the work in our class and it was running over into the next scheduled class on their timetable. They were missing their lunches. They weren't getting what they needed to do. So what we're trying to, our advice with our school especially is to do the best that you can, to reach out, to just turn up when you can. We want the kids on the Zoom call, even just for those five minutes to take the roll call, to see their other friends, to see that we're all going through this together. And we're trying to keep them in a routine. What I've been advising my students especially is to get outside before the school day starts to even like, I mean, most of my students live in the Eastern suburbs. Their front garden is the beach. Get out into that sun, even for 15 minutes before lesson starts so that you have some sort of a routine in place. We also have a routine where we get the students to come in on the Zoom call in their uniform to give them that mentality that, okay, now we're in school and when school ends, we want you to take your uniform off and get into your normal clothes because you need to have some sort of routine in place that you're, you know, switching off from that day. That's been a really good help for the kids mentally to know, okay, I'm taking the uniform off. I'm going to worry about that tomorrow. Um, Because at the beginning, we were having a lot of students emailing at nine, 10 o'clock. I don't understand this task. And that's not the case. The thing with it is, Marjorie, and what I would, you know, really advise students, parents, year seven to 11, sorry, that we can, we can come out this the other end. We don't, what we are learning right now, if the kids only learn a little bit or they don't remember it, we'll get through it. When we get back to school, we will go in hard and we will do well. So right now, all you're doing is surviving and coping, but to still maintain that routine, to come to school every day, to be ready to learn, to take your lunch breaks and take it the whole lunch break. And if you feel a little bit off, come on for 10 minutes and take the rest of that afternoon off to be with your family. This is a difficult time for my year 12 students and for all those parents with year 12 students. Let me just tell you that this has been a difficult period for you and for teachers. But remember that we have worked a year and three quarters on this moment. The students have learned all that they need to know. We have taught the syllabus They know it all. At this point now, it is actually in the hands of the students. 
we've always done this, even if we were in school, it is now the independent learning time. So this is where we need the students to remember this, that this is actually, don't feel like a victim. Let's take this as a time to say, isn't this brilliant? I'm at home and I can get that studying done that I would have had to go a full day in school to do and then come home to study. Now is your time to focus in on your revision. It's more time than you ever would have had before with the distractions of traveling to school, the traveling back, all the sports that you were committed to that you didn't want to let your team members down. You have more time than any year 12 has had to revise for your HSC. All the hard work is done. Your teachers are ready. You're ready. And it's a time now to just hold on. We're nearly at the end and not to give up because you've worked so hard the last two years for this moment. Caroline, thank you for those very poignant and helpful tips. Now, before I let you go, there are three questions we ask all of our guests that come onto Could You Voice. You must declare the best beach in the eastern suburbs, where sells the best burgers, and where you can get the best coffee. Go. Easy. The best beach, it took me four years to realise this, but it's not Bondi, which all the Irish start to go to. It's Bronte. Bronte is the most beautiful beach, in my opinion. Absolutely gorgeous. Has the most beautiful sunrise. The best burger for me, this this is going to be controversial. (laughs) It's an Irish chippy. It's called Big Dave's Chipper and it's in Maroubra. And it's that taste of home that whenever we're homesick, whenever I'm watching a wedding online that I'm supposed to be at in Ireland, I go and have that comfort at (laughs) Big Dave's Chipper. And the best coffee for me is Lux Coffee. Um, it's a chain all over, but I, I've tried all of them. I like Bennett Street Dairy, but Lux Coffee in Westfield and Bonnie Junction is hard to beat. Caroline, if people would like to learn more about your podcast, A County Down Under, or your Sunrise Socials, where should they head to? Head over to my Instagram page at A County Down Under, or you can find my podcast, A County Down Under, on Spotify and Apple, and you will find all the information you need to know. If you want to join one of our sunrises when we're not in lockdown, we meet every Saturday all year, regardless of the weather, just 15 minutes before sunrise at the Bronte Beach Huts. Caroline, thank you for joining us on Coogee Voice. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. What a raw and uplifting chat. To all our teachers out there, thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about the podcast, A County Down Under, check Caroline out on Instagram at A County Down Under. You've been listening to Coogee Voice. <laughs>